0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I just feel like I just feel like I want to just just share something really quick. Do we, do we really truly understand the magnitude of our Savior? Do we really truly understand the majesty of our Savior? Do we truly understand the depth of his grace, the depth of his love? Because I, I just feel like if we just took like two minutes to just think about that, two minutes to just kind of just let it settle in our hearts, we've been saved by the blood of a person who never sinned. We've been saved by the, by the life of, a, of an individual. Just think about this. God Almighty, the one who created the universe, came to this earth just for you, just for me. And if honestly, I, I, I'm not one who really likes Christian cliches. I, I don't like them. They, they give me the creep sometimes. But, but the truth of the matter is this. If you were the only person that was on this earth, he would have still came to this earth, would have still went to the cross, would have still gave his life, would have still had to go into the grave just to get you out of hell and get you going to heaven. Amen? I want, I'm saying this because it's been, this is the sixth part of this series now, and I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't even really touched what it is like if we could just just settle in. I think what we should do as a church at some point in time is just go into the gospels and just read the red letters. Because that's everything that Jesus spoke. We're talking about this series is based on six things, six things, six statements that Jesus made. But we've got the gospel full of them. But then, then the apostle John explained it like this in, in, in John chapter 21, verse 24. This is a disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Verse 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. 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 So, so in this series here, please don't just be content with these six parts that we have gone through, these six statements that Jesus made. Don't be content with that. Make it your business. Make it your goal to really read through the Gospels and read through the Gospels and read through the Gospels and and, and let the things that Jesus spoke, the things that he said, the statements he made, let them set you free, but let them also set you on fire. And just keep reading them. Let them settle in your heart. Let them become second nature to you. Amen? So... Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, or we would say today, and behold I am with you always, even to the end of this age. So we're gonna finish up this series this weekend with that statement. I am with you always. That has brought comfort to Christians for the past 2,000 years. I am with you. You're not alone. I'm here with you. Amen? Yes. As Jesus was departing, he's leaving the church in charge. He's leaving the disciples in charge. And they must have thought about, man, this is what it must have felt like when Moses was off the scene, and now Joshua has to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And you, you think, I, I, if I was there, I probably would have thought about the charge that Moses gave to Joshua. He's going to be the one that's going to finish what Moses started. Jesus came to the earth, spent anywhere from three to three and a half years here, revealing the Father in heaven. And then finally, the culmination of his mission is to go to the cross because blood had to be shed. The blood of the Lamb of God had to be shed so that our sins could be cleansed from us. And then he leaves. But he spent that three and a half years also training those who would take over his mission, his ministry, when he would leave. So listen to to what must have been going on inside of them. They had to think about Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses is departing. He knows he's not gonna finish his mission. He's already been told by God, Now you're not going in. You're not gonna be the one that's bringing them in. I have this other one that's been raised up. Verse six, be strong. This is Moses speaking to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. Read this with me real real, nice and loud. Ready, one, two, three. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse seven goes on to say that Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you and here it is again. He will not leave you. No, go ahead, yeah, and nor forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Now, that, that word dismayed is an interesting word. That word dismayed means don't fall to pieces. Don't, don't fall apart. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't fall apart. Keep it together. Suck it up. You can do this. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. Amen, and, he, and he's speaking the same thing to us this weekend as the disciples began to experience the persecution of the religious leaders, after Jesus rose again, after he ascended into heaven, they are on their own now, they think. And so they start to experience persecution. They had to think again because Jesus constantly brought them to the scriptures. All throughout the time that he spent here on earth, he's constantly bringing back to the scriptures. Why? Because the word of God is the power of God. Yeah, thank you for those couple of week amens. Because the word of God is the power of God. Amen. And if you want that, yeah, thank you, you got it this time. If you want to draw the power of God, you draw on the word of God. Amen. So now they're, they're thinking, now they're, they're suffering persecution. Peter's in prison. At one point, Peter, John are in prison. James gets beheaded. And all of a sudden, things are getting... They're getting, they're getting tough. They're getting, it's heating up. So I guarantee you, one of them had to, one of them had to say, hey, listen, let's go back to the book of Isaiah. Why? Because in Isaiah 41, look what it says. Isaiah 41 verse 10, read it with me nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. Fear not for I am with you. Man, we see this theme all the way through the scriptures from the beginnings of the Old Testament all the way until the end of the book fear not for i am with you be not dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you yes i will help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand behold all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgrace. she shall be as nothing those who strive with you shall perish you shall seek them and not find them those who contended with you those who war against you shall be as nothing as a non-existent thing do you think he's trying to tell us something Yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those things that are coming against you. Don't be afraid of those people who align themselves with the devil to come against you. And again, verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Man. I don't know that it's sunk in yet. He said, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be dismayed. Don't fall to pieces. Don't fall apart. Hold it together. I'm with you. My power's in you. And we're living in a time right now where it seems like the devil is going wild. Just throwing everything he possibly can. Taking people who, who, who are, have given themselves over, given their minds over to the devil, taking them and using them in crazy ways like we've never seen before. Sometimes I think to myself, man, if somebody that lived 100 years ago could come out of the grave and see what the society is like today, they'd go, put me back in the coffin. They knew how to trust God. They knew they could trust God. Think about Simon Peter. He knew firsthand about the comfort that comes hearing from Jesus, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Acts chapter 12. What a supernatural event that took place. Acts chapter 12 tells us that King Herod, wanting to persecute the church, wanting to and the words were harass the church, had James, the brother of John, executed, had him beheaded. And when he saw that this pleased the people, he had Peter arrested also and put him in prison awaiting execution. But something different was going to happen this time than in James' situation. Acts chapter 12, verse 7. Now behold, Peter's in prison. Shackled. in the morning, he's going to be executed. But he had that promise from Jesus. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And look at this. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. Your head's going to get cut off in the morning and you're sleeping so sound that the angel's got to come and smack you and wake him up. That, that is a supernatural peace. Are you getting this? That, that's a supernatural peace. But he could sleep in supernatural peace. Why? Because he had a promise from Jesus. Some of the last words he said to the disciples before he sent it to heaven, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm with you always. Are you getting this? So let me ask you, Husha, what could possibly come against you to shake you if you would take hold of that promise and make it yours? So now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in prison, and he struck Peter on his side. Get up! And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision when they had passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. You catching this? What happened? Jesus did not forsake him. Jesus had to be thinking, man, the Lord may have, left, have, may have left me physically, but he has not forgotten me. And Jesus did not forsake him. Years later, years later, the writer of the book of Hebrews would express that promise in these words. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. You have to read this in the Amplified Version. It doesn't say anywhere near it except for the Amplified Version. You don't get the flavor of it. You don't get all the out of this scripture, unless you read it in the Amplified version. Let your character be, or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, craving of earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances with what you have. Here's the good part. Here's the good part. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Can he make it any clearer? Thank you, Lord. Can he make it any clearer? Let me tell you a story about this scripture. Back when we were in Bible school, the spring of 1997, we're gonna graduate the end of May in 1997. And in March of 1997, all of our finances got cut off. And we're living 1,400 miles away from here, okay? God brought us to a land that we knew not, okay? And, and uh, so now we're at the end of this. We just got a couple of months and we're gonna graduate. We are our plan to come back to New Jersey, start this church. Now we had sold the business that's what supported us while we were in Bible school. You know, how many of you know? If you got, uh, you know, uh, six people in a family, four kids, and four boys who like to eat, you need you need support. Okay, so we had sold the business, and we were collecting on a weekly basis, collecting the money from this business that we had sold. Well, all of a sudden, in March, the person that we sold the business who decided uh, he weren't going to send us the money anymore. So we got all our finances cut off. I'm out there working part time, maybe 15 hours a week at four dollars and 85 cents an hour man you talk about needing faith and here we are money's cut off it's going to take months to clear this situation up go to go to school that morning somehow or another at some point in time had come into my possession this little pocket bible just new testament in the amplified version. I didn't even know I had this on my, in my possession. I open up my briefcase, get my school supplies out, and I see this little, like a little Gideon Bible. But it's New Testament amplified version. And I'm sitting there before class starts going, Lord, I'm finishing school. My wife and I are gonna finish this school. I don't care if we have to sell everything we have. We're gonna finish, we're gonna graduate, and we're gonna start this church. And I, oh, I swear as I'm standing here, I open that up, I just open it up and it goes to Hebrews 13, five. And I sat there with tears in my eyes. And I read that. I just read it to myself out loud. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. And at that moment, I felt like God just went like this. Come on, boy. I got you. I got you. And all of a sudden, checks started coming in the mail from people. We went to work, and our manager at the, at the grocery store that we worked at that came up to us and gave us a check and said, here, I want to pay your tuition for this month. Just money started coming in from all over. Well, you know the end of the story. We finished school, we graduated, we came back home, we started this church. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. I remember going to the boys' school, went and talked to the principal. All four boys in Christian school. The tuition to send them to school was more more than the rent on the house that we were living in, okay? So I went and sat down with the guy. I took all the paperwork with me, showed him the contract of sale for the business and showed him our bank account, which didn't take much to show, okay? Showed him, told him what our rent was. I said, sir, listen to me. We've only got a couple of months left. We're going back to New Jersey. We're going to start a church. I don't want to have to pull my kids out of the school for two months and just put them in public school. I said, whatever you need. I'll come and clean the bathrooms at night. I'll do whatever you need me to do. First question he said to me, is your tuition paid at Bible School's? I said, yes, it is. He goes, you go finish. Go finish. He said, from the first day we met you and your family, we recognized the hand of God in your life. He said, you go and finish. Don't you worry about your kids. Nobody's going to put your kids out of here. He goes, in the future when you get blessed, if you want to send us a check back, send us a check back as soon as we could. As soon as we could, within that next six months after we got back here, as soon as we could, we sent the check back there to cover that tuition payment. But what would have happened if we would have got dismayed? What would have happened if we would have started going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I said to my wife, and please, I hope it doesn't come across, doesn't come across crude. I said to her, I don't care if we got to sell our underwear. We're finishing Bible school. You gotta be willing to do what you gotta do. I said you gotta be willing to do what you gotta do. And then God meets you there. You gotta be willing to take the faith steps without knowing what's out up front. Get it in you. Get, it, get that in you. Why? Because he said, I will not, I will not, I will not relax my hold on you. He's got you. Turn to somebody, say, he's got you. At home, at home, put that in that little chat thing. He's got you. His presence is always with us no matter what we face. And what what did he say to Joshua? Moses said to Joshua, don't be afraid, don't fear, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged. Then Moses comes off the scene and then God says to Joshua face to face, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know what what I like to say? As he was with Paul, so is he with us. As he was with Peter in prison, so he is with us. As he was with John, so he is with us. Amen? He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And no matter how far you go, and no matter how crazy you get, and no matter how far you backslide, he's still with you to bring you back. Amen? How that simple statement must have strengthened Joshua for the task that was ahead. After Moses died, it's Joshua's responsibility now to bring them into the promised land. He's got to take care of this 2.5 million to 3 million bunch of crazy people. Constantly rebelling against God. Constantly complaining against Moses. Constantly complaining about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. And he's got to lead them now. In fact, he's got to take their children into the promised land. Knowing that God was with him was exactly what he needed to move forward. And let me tell you something right now. I don't know if it's somebody watching online, if it's somebody in here. There's somebody, you're on the verge. You're on the verge. God's been drawing you. God's been tugging on you. God's been telling you to move forward. I don't know what it is, if it's a business venture or what it is. God's telling you and you keep holding back and holding back and holding back. And, you, and your conversation is constantly, what if, and what if, and what if this happens? And what if that happens? What if it goes bad? What if I fail? What if you succeed? What if you prosper? What if you finally hit that thing that, that you've been looking for your whole life? Move forward. As he was with Moses, he's with you. As he was with Paul, he's with you. Amen. Amen. Wow, he's with us. Uh, you know, as I'm standing here and as I'm as I'm teaching this, I'm reliving stuff. I'm just reliving. Man, I could spend hours and hours and hours of telling you different stories about how God God just showed up on the scene and God showed us that He was with us. God showed us that we weren't alone. Man. We came back to New Jersey after being in Bible school for two years. After living in this little bubble in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where everybody's born again, pretty much. Then you come back to New Jersey, and we literally felt sick when we crossed the border. We felt like we were going to the mission field on, like, I don't know, some, some uncharted island someplace in the South Pacific. But God met us. And God just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And then we finally have the first service of this church and 59 people show up. I'm telling you, you need to know that God's with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His presence is with us. His spirit is in you. If you are a born again child of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And that's how Jesus fulfilled that promise, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And let me tell you something, whether, it's, whether you're heading into a new relationship, a new job, or maybe it's a new season of life, maybe, maybe you're going to, into that, that season of being an empty nester. All of a sudden the house is really quiet and you're like, well, the kids are gone, okay? And you're going into this new season. He's with you, he's with you whether you're newly single, maybe you went through a divorce or you've lost a loved one, guess what? You're not on your own. He's with you. He's taking you by the hand. And the more you allow him to take you by the hand, to take you step by step, the more peace you're gonna experience and the more vision you're gonna have for your future. There's no reason for God to give vision to somebody who's standing still. You've already fulfilled. You've already got to that point. But for for you to go for where you need to be, for you to go to where God wants you the next season is gonna take some faith and it's gonna take knowing that he's with you. Amen? Amen? Life is constantly giving us opportunities to remind ourselves he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's always with us. He won't leave you or forsake you because he wants you to live without fear, without worry. Why? Because you see, when we learn to trust him for everything, if I'm not spending my all of my energy and all of my time, worrying about every little thing that I need in life or my family needs, then I'm free. Okay, now I remember a period of time. I remember a season of life when my wife and I were in the restaurant business many, many years, thank God, many, 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 many years ago. And, And people say to me, do you miss cooking? No, I miss cooking like I would miss leprosy. Craziest business in the world to be in is in the restaurant business. Anybody who's been in there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. It would take every ounce of energy, every and I'm not exaggerating, it would take me every ounce of faith, every ounce of energy every day to get out of bed to go to that place. Why? Because I knew I was out of God's will. I knew I had, it had run out. The grace had run out years before. And I probably should have been doing what I'm doing now way back then. And it would take every ounce of faith. And so people would, people would come to me with needs. But listen, when you're using every ounce of energy and every ounce of faith, you got just to make it through the day. You're like, man, I got enough of my own. I don't have time for you. Of course, no, no, no. Nobody in here knows what that means because you're all like, oh, no, pastor. I would definitely put my life on hold. When, you're out, when, got, when you feel like you're on your own, when you feel like you're using every ounce of faith to just make it through that day, You don't, you honestly, you don't have time to care about anybody else. And so God wants us so, so secure and so confident in our relationship with him that we we don't have to worry about ourselves. I don't have to spend all my time worrying, how am I going to make my car payment? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to keep my house? All this other kind of stuff that keeps us going and spinning and spinning and spinning. But when you get to that place, you reckon, what am I worrying about? He's got me. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Come on, everybody. Now, now you're not worried about your own stuff. So because you're not worried about your own stuff, what happens? You've got grace for other people. You've got grace for other people. You can take the time to pray for people. Maybe you find yourself right now in that kind of a position. Maybe you're financially challenged because there all the craziness that's gone on since March. Maybe your job's been eliminated. Maybe you lost your business. I don't know. I I don't know what your situation is. But guess what? He does. He does. Matthew chapter six, verse 31. This is for you. Because he wants you to know he hasn't left you. You're not on your own. You just keep focused on him. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, say it real loud with me. Ready, one, two, three. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34 goes on to say, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some people are carrying a week's worth of trouble in one day. Well, what about next Monday? Well, don't worry about it. We might be in heaven next Monday. Use your faith today. Heavenly Father doesn't want his children full of anxiety, but he wants us, watch this now, he wants us full of expectancy. Doesn't want us full of anxiety, but he wants us full of expectancy. Expectancy that he's very much aware of your needs and my needs. He wants us free from these concerns so so that we can be concerned with what concerns him. And that's meeting the needs of others. None of us should be about our own lives. If we'll get a hold of this, we won't worry about what's coming towards our life. We we'll won't worry about what we have, what we don't have. Our biggest concern would be how can I meet the needs of somebody else? How can I bless somebody? How can I lift somebody up? How can I encourage them? How can I how can I comfort them? Jesus' advice is this keep your eyes on God. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. One translation says it this way. Seek his kingdom and his way of doing things and all your needs will be supplied. His way of doing things. Not your way of doing things, his way of doing things. Our way of doing things is conniving, manipulating, playing the victim card, playing on each other's sympathies. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Because when you do that, you become less aware of his presence in your life. He said, seek the kingdom first and his way of doing things. Is there any moment in the the ministry of Jesus on the earth where he ever was concerned about his own needs? Never. Why? He was was confident. He He was secure in his relationship with the Father secure we're all looking for security we're all looking for security every one of us we're looking for it in relationships we're looking for it in financial status we're looking for it in the type of home we're all looking for security we all want that and if we would just go to him and let him be our daddy let him be abba we would have that security we'd walk in that security Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. What's he saying here? You don't have to live like your head's in the sand. We don't live in denial. We don't, we don't ignore situations. He's saying, take those situations. Don't get anxious over them. Bring them to him with prayer and supplication. What supplication is, hey God, here's the situation. Hey God, here's what I'm going through. It's not for him. He already knows what you're going through. But doesn't it feel good when you finally vent? That the Psalms, what are the Psalms? The Psalms are David venting. Many are they that, that have lined up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there's no help for him and God. It's, it's David venting. It feels good when you vent to God. Not instead of venting to each other. You vent to each other and that other person is going, you got problems, I'm bigger problems than you. Said, so "Don't be anxious for anything, but everything. But prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then what happens? It's like a chemical reaction. Bam! And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your hearts and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because this is the place where you make your decisions. And if you're anxious, anybody ever made decisions while they're anxious? Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus!" He said, no, 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 you you, you bring everything to me. You you present your petitions to me. And what will happen? You'll experience a peace that passes all understanding. Surpass doesn't make sense, that kind of peace. And what we'll do, we'll guard your heart, guard your mind, so you don't screw your life up even worse. When we have the peace of God that passes understanding, we can dedicate our lives to meeting the needs of others. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. John 14, 2. Why he won't leave us, only forsake us because he needs us to finish Jesus's ministry on the earth. It always gets quiet when you start talking about this stuff. It always gets quiet. Why do you think we're still here on earth? Why do you think we're still, why? Because every moment of every day, there's more people being born. Every moment of every day, there's more people that are departing this earth and most of them without Jesus. He wants us to know that he's always with us. So we put our lives aside and the worry and concern of what am I gonna wear? What am I gonna eat? Where am I gonna live? What am I gonna drive? So that if I'm not concerned that I don't have to worry about any of those things, I can now concentrate on you. We can now concentrate on the lost we cannot put our lives aside. Why? Because you've got somebody that's taking care of you. Go meet the needs of somebody else. John 14, 2. Most assuredly, I say to you, I love this verse of scripture. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. The one thing that we see throughout Jesus' ministry in this time on the earth is his constant equipping the disciples and the church In general, to carry on his ministry, constantly he demonstrated the power of God through the miracles that he performed and the people that he healed. And the disciples were there to see it. He demonstrated the love of God by forgiving those who hurt him, forgiving those who betrayed him, forgiving, restoring Peter after after denying that he even knew Jesus. And then he made Judas the guest of honor at the Last Supper. That's love. That's love. His last command on the earth charged and empowered us to go preach the gospel, full of confidence that he's still with us. Listen to this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Last words of the gospel of Mark. And he said to them, talking about Jesus, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name They will drive out demons they will speak with new tongues they will pick up snakes in their hands and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on the sick and they will get well now that's that's good news that's good because that's our job well pastor i'm not in the ministry. oh no no he didn't say this was for the ministers you didn't read that part He said it to the disciples. He said, those who believe in me, if you believe in him, you better show up for work. You better start doing your job. He said, you, not the pastor, not the evangelist, not the apostle, not the preacher, not the teacher, the disciple. I didn't wait to be a pastor before I got people born again. In fact, I got born again on Wednesday night, led the first person to the Lord on Thursday afternoon. Laid hands on the sick. I got more people born again and cast out more devils in the back of my deli on the other side of Bricktown than most of the time we get the chance to do here in church. Why? Because that's our job. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. Well, I don't know if I could do that. You got two hands? Let me see two hands. Guess what? He said, Lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? They'll recover. He didn't say for the pastor to do it. Then look what he said. Look what it says here, verse 19. After that, the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. He was taken up into heaven. He sat at the right hand of God. Verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And look at this, look at this. What did he say to them? I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Amen. Well, I wish I could see Jesus do some miracles. Go do something. You're waiting for him. He's waiting for you. He said he will accompany you. Well, in order to accompany you, you've got to go first. Yeah. He said he'll confirm that which we do. He'll confirm the word that you preach. He'll confirm the love that you show. He'll confirm the forgiveness that you release. He'll confirm when you lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. But you got to do it. He worked with them. He never left them. He never forsook them. Matthew 28, 20 says, And behold, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. Now, how's he going to do this? Because the fact is, is Jesus here on earth? No. You, you got tricky there. Oh, he's tricking us. No, no, it's not a trick question. Is Jesus here on earth right now? No. Where is he? He's in heaven. The scriptures tell us he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So did he leave the shop on its own here? Did he leave the, no, 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 no. no. Because he told us, you finish. I'm starting, you finish. And I'm with you even to the end of the age. So who's running the show here? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The The least known member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus fulfills that promise. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Because they must have thought, when they watched him from the Mount of Olives, they watched him uh, ascending, and you know darn well this had us, it stunned them. Why? Because the angel comes by and says, "What are you standing there with your mouth open?" This same Jesus that you see is going to come back the same way. But what do we do in the meantime? They knew they're not supposed to just stay there. He said to them, "I'm going." But don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, they're in the temple, they're celebrating that Jewish holiday, they're early in the morning for service, and all of a sudden. Like a mighty rushing wind. Oh, my God. The Holy Spirit just goes, and just falls on all of them, 120, including Jesus' mother. And the Bible says when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues and praise and glorify God. And man, you see Peter change. Just, just a few hours later, he preaches a 15-minute message and thousands and thousands of people run to go receive Jesus Christ. Why? He'll never left him. When he introduced the Holy Spirit, he said to him, it's the same as me, but different. And they must have went. The same like me. In other words, what you feel when you experience me, Peter, in person here. John, when I'm standing with you, what you feel when you're with me, you're going to feel the same thing, but you won't see me. Because he'll be in you. And he'll abide with you for how long? Forever. He's with you. But you know what? There's so many of us that are not aware of that presence. Not aware of that presence. For those of you that are watching online, I pray right now that you just lift your hands up and just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my heart. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Holy Spirit. And I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, those of you that are watching online, together with those that are in person right here, that you would experience right now the presence of the Holy Spirit, that peace, that presence, that you know that you know that you know that you're not alone. No matter what you're going through right now, he's right there with you. He'll take you by the hand. He'll walk you through that darkness walk you through that difficulty, that challenge right now. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if there's somebody laying in the hospital bed watching this, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the healing power and presence of the Holy Spirit will come upon you right now. And whatever that condition is that the doctor said they don't know what to do, in the name of Jesus I call you healed. Healed. I pray that you you would experience the presence of the Holy Spirit like never before in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.